0: copy of the word of god and turn with me to the book of first peter the book of first peter chapter number 1 the book of first peter chapter number 1 we of course are going through this series of the book of first peter and with the idea that the theme is to strengthen the brethren to strengthen the brethren we're now on our fifth lesson as we're going through taking bite-sized pieces because The book of 1 Peter has so much in it, and we definitely want to put the emphasis where God places the emphasis. And we now find our way into the book of 1 Peter chapter number 1. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 1, and if you don't mind, let's look at verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says this, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory Amen. oh and if you're in the habit of marking things in your bible mark a phrase that we find in the book of first peter chapter 1 and verse 8 first peter chapter 1 and verse 8 notice this phrase whom having not seen ye love whom having not seen ye love. And with this, we're going to place the emphasis on our sightless love. Our sightless love. Here we could see as we're talking about the theme of strengthening the brethren, being strong in love. Here we could see that we have a love to someone that we have never seen this is a sightless love. And the Bible says quite a bit about this because this is important. Now, remember, the Apostle Peter had saw the Lord Jesus Christ with his own eyes. He heard Jesus speak words from Jesus' own mouth. We, he heard and saw a resurrected Savior. Now, Peter himself called himself an eyewitness. But he's writing to a people who are suffering and beginning to go through a great persecution. And he's trying to encourage them with the things that they're about ready to face to strengthen their faith. And that includes to be strong in the love of someone they have never seen. Now think about this. They are going to suffer for following after Christ. They're going to be persecuted because they want to obey God but they've never seen this person that they're devoted to. To the lost world, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you be willing to suffer and die for someone you've never met? Why would you be willing to go through this pain and suffering for someone you've never contacted? Why? Because of sightless love. Because of a love of someone we have never seen. This is truly a faith-based idea That we're believing in someone, we're trusting in someone, we have a relationship with someone, we have a fellowship with someone, we love someone we have never seen. This sightless love. Now some people go to the idea that if I can't see it, I will not believe it. But God's word says that we must believe before we can see. Meaning that we believe in Christ before we ever see him. We will see him one day. That's a promise. We will see him one day. But we must believe in him without seeing him first. And then we fall in love with him without seeing him first. Now, our faith is not a blind faith. A blind faith carries the idea that there's no evidence of that I'm just jumping on a whim. No, no, no. We have plenty of evidence. There's proof that Jesus loves me. There's evidence that he is working in my life. We have a God who hears and answers prayer. So it's not a blind faith but it is a sightless faith. We are falling in love with someone we have never seen. Someone that we've never met. We see the object of our faith. Now let me show you a couple verses here that deal with this. Notice with me if you don't mind in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 10. The gospel record of Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at several passages today dealing with the idea of this sightless love. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Notice with me in Luke chapter 10. And as we're talking about this sightless love that the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 gives us a, uh, an encouragement. That whom you have seen not, whom you have not seen, ye love. Though you have not seen him, yet believing, you ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, we could rejoice in this God. Remember, our theme for this year is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as we're talking about this, we understand where does the joy come from? It comes from God, the God we have not seen. This is a sightless love. But because we could see Him through faith, we could rejoice. There's something to this. Notice with me in the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And I want to show you a couple of things as we start off this lesson here about this sightless love. Notice with me in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is pulling his disciples in Luke 10 and verse 23. Notice this. And he, Jesus, turned him unto his disciples and said, privately. So this wasn't for the masses. This isn't one for the Pharisees. This was a private discussion with his disciples. Notice what he's told his disciples. Blessed are the eyes which see the things which ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. So Jesus turns to the disciples and says, Listen, you have a great privilege that the people who came before you, they would have done anything to have. You go talk to David. David, would you like to meet the Christ that you talked about? Oh, yes, please. Daniel, you walked by faith and you stood against a lot of things. Would you like to see the Savior that you talked about? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've always wanted to see him. Here's the disciples that got to hear Jesus face to face. They got to see him. They got to eat lunch with him. They got to interact with him. They had a great privilege that the people before them did not have. And us that followed after do not have. They had a great privilege. Notice as it goes on with that same thought in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We have a sightless love. The disciples had the privilege of seeing Jesus But that's not true of most believers. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in John chapter number 20. Now, in John chapter 20, Jesus has already risen from the grave. He's already appeared to some of the disciples, but one guy was missing out. And that was Thomas. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see it. And remember, we've just covered that there's many people who fall into that. They won't believe it until they could see it. But there's something about us that we have a sightless love. Notice as Jesus now appears, and he told Thomas, uh, Thomas, to put your hand, uh, fingers in my hands, put your hand in my side. Take all the time you need to prove that it's true. But then notice the follow up to Thomas, verse number 28. And Thomas said, or answered, and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus proved himself to Thomas, and Thomas accepted that Jesus was God, that he was Lord. But then notice verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that had not seen, yet have believed. This sightless love that we accepted Jesus to be our Savior without seeing him, without looking at him, without beholding our eyes, without having a face-to-face conversation. Now, remember, it is not a blind faith, but it is a faithful of evidence. We believed him because he proved himself to us. There's evidence that he's there, but we have a sightless love. Now, this is important because the rest of our life, we walk through faith. While we're here on earth, we're walking by faith, not by sight. We're following someone we cannot see. We're serving someone we cannot see. Our motive has become love. Of someone we have never seen. It is a sightless love. But yet Jesus here said, Blessed art thou. Now, a little sideways thing. The word blessed, some people mistranslate it as happy. I'm blessed, I'm happy. That word blessed literally carries the idea, I'm favored of God. Amen. I'm blessed, I'm favored of God. And that's here, he says. Because thou hast seen me and believed, blessed are they that have not seen. He doesn't say, Happy are you, favored of God are you, that have not seen yet believed. We have God's favor on us as we walk by faith and not by sight. Having a sightless love, trusting in someone we have never seen, God says, You're favored. There's something special about you. Again, here's Thomas. He had to see to believe. He says, sure, it's easy to believe when you're able to see. But God has really favored those who are going to come after. That's us. Who believe without seeing. This sightless love. Notice as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Again, just to endorse what we've been saying here, that we're to walk by faith and to love him whom we've not seen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5-7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now this faith is not an empty faith and it's not a blind faith, but it is faith nonetheless because we're not seeing him face to face. That was 2 Corinthians 5-7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So as now we introduce this, let's now walk a little bit more and talk about this sightless love this sightless love we see first of all the possibility of sightless love the possibility of sightless love meaning there we it is possible to love someone you've not seen it's it is possible for us to love God of course first Peter where we had started off with said of whom ye have not seen ye love Why do we love him, by the way? Answer the question. Why do we love him? Because he he first loved us. Let me prove that to you. First John chapter number four. First John chapter number four. Remember, we can love God because he first loved us. God is always previous. Remember, it all begins with God. We don't love God first. He loved us first. We're responding to that love. This is why we can have a love without seeing him. Because he loved us first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. 1 John 4, 19. It says in 419, we love him because he first loved us. Again, simple statements, statements you could grab a hold of. He loved us before we ever knew him. He loved us before we ever sought him. He loved us before we even knew about him. When we are come to to be born again, we come to know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves us, and we respond to that love. So there is a possibility of this sightless love. Think about Peter. Peter came to know the Lord because of his brother Andrew, and before Andrew came to Peter, and Peter responded, Jesus loved him beforehand. He already loved him. Jesus loved Peter before he saw him. We we have never met a human that God has not loved. That's why John 3.16 is such a powerful verse. For God so loved the world. That word world there is not the world system. The word world there is not dealing with the dirt. The word world there deals with the people on this. The world is a people, population. That God so loved the people of the world. He loved us first. There's not a single person who lived that God hasn't loved them previously. God loves every human no matter who he is, what color he is, what language he speaks. Now, Satan does not want people to hear that message because people will be moved in response to God's love towards them. That's why Satan wants to emphasize hate and drive all the other stuff. There is a possibility for us to love without seeing someone because we're responding to that love that came first. So we see the possibility of sightless love. Now we come to the preeminence of sightless love. The preeminence. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Colossians chapter 1. Again, there's quite a few passages that deal with this idea, the principle of sightless love. Notice with me in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 18, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, and he, this is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, it all begins with God, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the word preeminence. Now, when we come to the word preeminence, again, some people will define this carrying the idea that it's the top of the list, that it's, uh, if you think of all the things that we're supposed to love and all the things we do love, we love our house, we love our family, we love friends, we love things, we love the world, we love this. People say, well, in order for Christ to be preeminent, he's got to be in the top of the list. That's not quite what the word preeminent means. The word preeminence carries the idea of this. How about if I went to my wife and said, Honey, out of all the women that I love, I love you first. You're on the top of the list. Is that what she wants to hear? She wants to hear that I love her like I love no one else. I do not love anyone like I love you. There's no other woman I love that I love like you. She doesn't want to be the top of the list. She wants to be the only thing on my list. (laughs) When it talks about Christ that he deserves the preeminence, that Christ should have the preeminence, it's not that we love him more than everything else. We love him differently than everything else. He's the only one on that list. That's different. We should love him like we love no one else. That he must have the preeminence. This is him where we love him preeminently. He is the one and only that we love this way. And when Christ is in his rightful place... Everything else falls in its rightful place. In fact, to be honest, I cannot love my wife the way that I ought to love her until I first love Christ the way that I ought to love Him. Everything else begins with God. Christ must have his rightful place. He must have the preeminence. He must have the correct spot in order for me to love my kids the way that I ought to. Christ must have the preeminence. In order for me to pastor the church and to love the folks, Christ must have his rightful place. He must be preeminent. I love him like I love no other. He is the only thing on that list. Now, as we come with this idea, notice that Jesus talked about this preeminent love in the gospel record of John chapter 21. The gospel record of John chapter 21, and we can see that Jesus is teaching them about this preeminence. Now, in the context, Jesus Christ has already died and was uh, uh, buried in a borrowed tomb. He rose again on the third day, and he rose again. As he rose again, he had proved himself to the disciples. However, because of Peter's failure in loving the Lord, he quit the ministry. He said, I go a fishing. When he says, I go a fishing, he's not saying I'm doing it as a hobby. He says, I'm going back to work. Remember, he was a professional fisherman with a business beforehand. And when he quit, he took seven other preachers with him. They quit the ministry. Imagine a great victory like Jesus rising from the dead. And yet they're looking at their own failures. They quit. They're Done. Done. And so Jesus comes and proves himself again. They fished all night and didn't catch anything. So he said, throw off the other side. All right, throw off the other side. They had the biggest catch they've ever caught. uh, Peter didn't know who it was until that happened. And he said, oh, that's Jesus. And he took off. He just ran, left the guys trying to put the thing. So they come back and... Just to show how strong and burly Jesus was, it talks or uh, Peter was that they had 143 fish in there, and it was so much that it was breaking the nets, and the other guys who went fishing with him were struggling, and it was breaking the nets. But when they get to the shore, Peter just goes and picks it up and hauls it away. I mean, he wasn't a wimpy guy; he was he was a man's man. So they start eating fish, and Jesus starts teaching them, and he goes to Peter first. Now, remember, Peter just quit. <laughs> Then he found out, well, quitting didn't work out. I can't go back to my job. I can't even fish now. What am I supposed to do? And so Jesus is now restoring Peter. Notice what he does as he restores it. Notice with me in the book of John chapter 21. The gospel record of John chapter 21. And notice with me, if you don't mind, as we see this, he tells him to come and dine. And then um, verse 15. So when they dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon Son of Jonas, lovest me more than these. Notice that word, more. What he's trying to say is that I need the preeminence. He's pointing to these these. First of all, he starts looking at the fish. (laughs) Do you love me more than your job and your hobby? Do you love me more than these? Notice as Peter begins to try to explain, he says... He saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, feed my lambs. All right. If it's true that you love me, I've got a work for you to do. Notice a third time, or a second time. And he saith unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than these? Now here we believe he's pointing to the rest of the disciples. You love me more than these? You love me more than them? Jesus, uh, he's... Responded again. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto them, Feed my sheep. Simon Peter, if you truly love me, then your life is going to affect it. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. Then a third time, he presses it again. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than thee. Peter was grieved because he had said him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love them. The Jesus saith to him, feed my sheep. And then he goes on and begins to give him some more instruction. But notice what Jesus is doing. He's trying to instill a preeminence. That you love me more than these. Now you insert the these in your own life. Do you love Jesus more than Your job and hobbies? Do you love Jesus more than your family? Do you love Jesus more than your free time? Do you love Jesus? What he's talking about is Jesus the preeminence. Is he more than all of these other things? If that is true, then he has something for you to do. Feed my sheep. There's instructions to be given. And it's going to be evidenced. Now, notice he's telling Jesus... Telling Peter this because he's getting to the idea. There's a couple words for love found within the Greek (coughs) that we now translate as love, but each of them have some color to it. That Jesus, when he says, Do you love me more than these? He's using the word agape, which carries the idea of a sacrificial love, a love that cost me something, that um that have no hope in return. Do I love you enough that it will cost me something? That I may not get back equal value? Do you love me more than these? Agape? Do you love me to the sacrifice of these others? And when Peter responded, he used the word phileo, which carries the idea of a responsive love. That it's a type of love that I love you in proportion to what you love me. Because you love me, I now love you back. And so Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you love me more than these? To the sacrifice of these? Uh, Jesus, I phileo you I love you in response to you Jesus answered again do you love me agape to the sacrifice of these um the best I can promise is phileo third time Jesus brought it down to a phileo and said do you phileo do you do it in response to me you know all things you know what I do he's grieved in his heart why is he grieved because God is exposing to him where Jesus was. That Jesus was not the preeminence. And if we can be honest, there are times that Jesus doesn't have his rightful place. And God will sometimes expose us. But again, we're loving someone preeminently who we've never seen. This sightless love. That we love someone who've never seen that is on the top of the list. And not just the top of the list. The only thing that's on the list. We love him like no other. And if he's in his rightful place. Everything else will be in its rightful place. This is a big thing. This is why the world doesn't understand at times. Why we could be faithful to church Sunday morning. Sunday night and Wednesday night. Why do you do that? Because I love him. Because he's in his rightful place. Why do you bother reading your Bible every day? Because I love him. Well have you ever met him? Well, I haven't seen him face to face, but he's proven himself real to me all the time. Our love is different because we're loving someone and we have the possibility he is able to love someone you've never met because of what he's done for us and that we should love him like no other. We talked about the possibility of sightless love, that there is a possibility. We saw the preeminence of sightless love that we should love him like we love no other. But then we have the power of sightless love. The power of sightless love. Is there real power in love? There certainly is. If we love the Lord Jesus, we don't have to be begged to do things for him. If you love him, it's not a big deal to serve him. If you love him, it's not a big deal to obey him. If you love him, it's not a big ask at all there is a great power. It is evidence. When people do not serve the Lord, it is evident that they do not love the Lord. You say, well, that's pretty cut and dry. It is. We like to put exceptions to it. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He makes it that simple. You understand, because we love him, it's not a big deal to serve him. Because we love him, it's not a big deal to spend time with him. We don't have to twist his arm. You see, the relationship and the fellowship we have with Christ is based off of love. Not out of duty. Meaning that he's not getting us to the point where we're forced to serve him. Fine, I'll show up to church again if I have to. I get to go to church. And I want to because I love him. Oh, I guess I'll read my Bible today. Oh, maybe I'll just get away with just a couple verses. I don't have to be twist my arm to spend time with him because I love him. The power of this sightless love, it should motivate us. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 2 Corinthians. Let's talk to the Apostle Paul. Paul was beaten. He was abused. He was bashed and yet he kept going. What is it, Paul? What is it that kept you going through all of your hardships, through all of your trials? Remember the book of 2 Corinthians is talking about Paul's darkest day when he feels like the entire ministry is falling apart. That at the writing of here, it seems like Corinth is in rebellion. Ephesus, he just got chased out of the city and was almost killed. Uh, Galatians, Uh, The churches of Galatia have now switched and believe that you could lose your salvation. Everything it touched seems like it's failing. Yet, he's still, present tense, starting a church in the city of Troas. Why? He thinks he's going to die. He's so sick he thinks he's going to die. But yet he's starting a church while he's in the process of dying. Why? What can you do this? How? Paul, Why? Verse uh, chapter five, second uh, Corinthians chapter five, second Corinthians chapter five. What we're talking about is the power of a sightless love that we love someone we have never seen. And there's a power to it that we could love. There is a possibility because we're responding to God's love. And when Christ has the preeminence that we love him like we love no other, there's a power to it. Notice with me in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Paul, what can you go on? How can you go on? Because of the love of Christ constraineth me. The word constraineth carries the idea that it holds you fast. It's like being bound up. It's like being hugged. It's like wrapped around. Because Christ's love is constraining me because of this, I have to go on. I'm just responding to the love that Christ had for me. And so because I realize how much he loved me, how much did he love me? He died on the cross for me because of that, I'm just responding to his love. And so because of that, there is a power to it. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep going. Now remember that the book of First Corinthians or First Peter is a people who's in persecution and that more is coming around the corner. When it comes time that people said if you join a church and become biblically baptized and say you're going to join the, follow after Christ you're going to die. Why would someone do that then? Because of the love of Christ. And loving someone they have never seen before. Why do you keep going to church when the government says you cannot go to church? Well... I'm going because I love him. But you've never seen him. But he loves me so much, I'm responding to his love towards me. You understand, what will keep people serving God when it's illegal, when there's a persecution, when there's a price to pay? The love of Christ. Loving someone we have never seen. Again, turn with me back to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. We have this deep fulfillment of living for Christ because of his love for us. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 where we started out before. Whom having not seen ye love. In whom thou ye now uh, now ye see him not, yet believing... Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That because of who Christ is, because of his love for me, I love him. Even if I haven't seen him, I haven't laid eyes on him, I still love him. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. I get my joy from loving him. I get my joy from loving someone I've never seen before. I can keep going no matter what it is. I can keep going even though the persecution becomes hard. By the way, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, ancient history, what happened to the people who were professing Christians, because of this, they were driven underground. And they had to find a place to meet. And by the way, when they said underground, they kind of met it. They started to meet in catacombs. If you're not familiar where the catacomb was, what happened is they would dig out underneath the ground uh, tunnels and they would bury people in the side of the tunnels. And because there was nowhere else they can meet above ground, they would meet in the catacombs among all the dead people that was dead and buried because they figured that was the one place people would not come and disturb their services you have to be pretty dedicated to have a church service there wouldn't you but that was the only place they could meet and they met faithfully why how can you do such a thing because of the sightless love loving him who i've never seen you understand our persecution's not there yet in fact we still pretty got a lot of freedom why is it that people don't come to church they don't have this sightless love they haven't fallen in love with a Christ who loves them supremely. They don't have this power that the love of Christ constraineth me. No wonder when Jesus said, Blessed are they that love me who have not seen me. That's us, by the way. Oh, the power of this sightless love. You understand, this Christianity that we have, it's not serving because of our arms are twisted. Not serving because we have to do this or else. We serve because of a response to the love that he has for us. It's not a big ask to be faithful to him. It's not a big ask to read our Bible. It's not a big ask to pray. It's not a big ask to go to church. It's not a big ask to follow after him because of this sightless love.